0: Human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us: Stories of Working While Human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with the radiant Kristen Hankey. Aside from directing and developing the Tony-nominated Broadway musical Rock of Ages, among many other projects for stage and screen, and recently authoring the book God, Sex, and Musical Theater, Kristen is a deeply inspired, compassionate, and wise coach, mentor, and creative guide. Gems about trust and team building, the importance of play in your work, and inner listening come tumbling out of her mouth so fast, you might want to listen with a pen and paper so you can capture her quotes for later. She says, Fun has a way of unlocking things. Please enjoy this mini-class with a master teacher, episode 17, Wonder, Play, and Empathy with Kristen Hangi. Well, I am just so delighted and filled all the way up today to speak to one of my favorite people, role models, like juicy arts goddesses, Kristen Hangi, who is a director of stage and screen, a writer, a coach, a mystic and just an all-around beautiful person. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about empathy.
0: I mean, it's my, it's my favorite thing, pretty much. I guess I have a lot of favorite things. But I feel like, so you introduce yourself on your website as a multi-hyphenate. And I wonder if we could start there and talk about what are the different elements in your multi-hyphenate? And um, how is being a multi-hyphenate a really great builder of empathy, a really great natural builder of empathy.
1: That's a great question. I feel that my talents have grown and expanded over time. So Mm -hmm. there's something in me, in my soul that keeps saying, oh, I wanna investigate this corner or this corner or this corner. And they reveal themselves to me over time. So I started as a director because I just love to play and I love to play pretend. And I loved when I was a kid, I just wanted all my neighbors to come over and we'd put on a pageant and I'd say, (laughs) you know, bring a crown, bring a Cape. (laughs) We're going to put on a show and we're going to charge people money to watch it. And there's always been a natural mother in me that loves to bring a group of people together and loves to see the best in them and just tell them how great they are. And, bring everyone towards a common vision. I love the team building aspect of live Mm -hmm. performance and of being a director. And I've always thought that great directors are invisible. So a great director makes the person who is creating, whether it be the actor or the designer or the writer, feel like they are really doing it all themselves. And perhaps Mm -hmm. I just ask some interesting questions that take them deeper inside their own process.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. I, I love the idea of that really talks to the idea of being like a, a, a mother in a way that there is this nurturing quality to, it's more about making people feel super comfortable making their own choices than it is about you making choices for them.
1: That's right. Cause a great director is there to serve. Like any leader is serving the people when they're mm. being a true leader so it's a very it's a place where you're dropping your ego so that you can actually elevate others
0: oh i love this so much wait can you speak more to this about about how being a leader means to make space
1: for other people yeah so what we want is for the community to benefit. And the community in a live production, right, is, is the show itself and, and the interworkings of the show. And I always feel there's a great Marianne Williamson quote that says, Everything that you create is infused with the energy with which you create it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if we're being intentional then about our energy, then we want those vibes of trust, of respect of honor of confidence to be infused in all of our interactions mm-hmm. and i think when i was going to school i was learning about a lot of directors who didn't direct that way sure. and my parents were school teachers and they had a lot of dialogue around the you know dining room table that a great teacher creates an environment of wonder where the the desire for a student to learn comes up from them. And then I did have a great directing teacher at UCLA who, I feel like she taught me how to be an actor whisperer. um, To find (laughs) the, right? Not to tell an actor what to do, but she would talk about giving them actions to play.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That actually, yeah,
0: I'll go ahead.
1: But I love that idea of, can I find something that is, actable and not to be an outcome, but to be in process. And so I have gotten really interested in the process of directing because I love the process of creating. I believe that a show, that the soul of a show is inside of it and all the right people have been brought together to let this thing show itself to let this thing grow and release and and it takes love and it it takes listening to it. I would imagine the same thing is true inside of a company that you believe that all the right people have been assembled to grow a company and that the spirit of that company is already inside the people inside the community. And so you want to create an environment for it to grow. And, you know, also my master's is in dramatic structure. So I love story. Mm -hmm. I love how we tell stories I think it mirrors how we learn things in life and I have loved as a director to be a guide for writers to really just hold the space of their vision and I believe all artists we all have that voice that gets inside of us that critical voice that stops us and I've always loved being that space for the writer where I can go, oh, I see what you're doing here. I see your vision. No, it's great. When when the self-doubt comes up, call me. I know what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. Because I know that's the environment that I need to grow and that we all need in order to be our best. And I also know that life and art and the process is self-correcting. So what I have found with theater is if I do a reading, I will discover through that reading what the show wants to change or be altered or wants to fix itself. And then if I go to a workshop, I'll learn more about what wants to change or be altered. So as I go from a workshop to a lab to an out of town, and I do another production, I, it's teaching me how to direct it.
0: So this is, it it requires this, not only this element of humility, like that you you don't come in as a director or as a leader already knowing everything, that you actually learn as you go and to be able to say, I don't know everything. And that actually makes me a stronger leader because I'm willing to learn. And it's this, it sounds like you talk about, you know, going from Um, one presentation of a, of a, of a play or a show to the next is actually a trust fall, is actually a discovery in process that you are taking the next step forward and you don't know where your foot's going to land, but that that's part of the joy of it. And it really makes me think of, um, you know, you talk about, you got involved because you're so interested in play, this concept of play, and you talk about wonder. And these are words that are usually associated with childhood, right? But you're a full grown adult, you know, and the people that you work with mostly are as well. And, and I think that it sounds like you're saying what, what makes, what makes the art work its best is when you don't necessarily appeal to the typical adult qualities that you think of with work, you're actually appealing to the childhood qualities.
1: Of course, that's where our imagination is. That's where the fun is, you know? I feel like if I'm creating a piece that is wonderful, it has gotten you out of your head and into your heart. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with people and we're all invoking our imagination, we're all invoking our creative energy, that it sets a spell on an audience and, and, and they can start to drop all the heaviness that they carry around all day and then they can like drop the mind, they can drop the worries and they can get back into their heart that, so that heart can communicate to them.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And it sets a, a real example, I think. I mean, I guess the, one of the purposes of art is to set an example for all the other industries, all the other kinds of people who aren't necessarily in the arts. And I wonder if there are things, if there are elements that you've learned from like day-to-day process of being a director that if you walked if you walked into like a corporation today mm-hmm. and they and they needed like a coach in you know problem solving or or getting getting people on the same page, like off the top of your head, what do you think what do you think you would say to them? What kind of keynote would you present to them?
1: Honest and transparent communication is essential for building a team. That everyone's voice needs to be heard equally. Uh, that a culture of fear creates repression and mm-hmm. in that, and that repression keeps the solutions from emerging
0: ah, Yes, Ah
1: to enter into our interactions, knowing the solution is already here. The solution's here and it's trying to reveal itself to us,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that I believe that process is meant to be fun and f- fun has a way of unlocking things. It has a way of opening up different neural pathways. It has a w- way of helping us to think out of the box. It, it, it gets us out of our rigidity so that we can see things from a different purview. Yeah. You're, I
0: mean, you're hired.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> no, I think all of those are really, are really profound uh, pieces of advice. And I think could we could stand to see more of, you know, I mean, what do I know? But I wonder, okay, so we're talking about directing.
1: Oh, shall I, shall I go on to my other multi-hyphenates?
0: Let's, let's, let's dance with some of the other multi-hyphenates before we come back to it.
1: No. Well, from working with writers and being a writer myself, I started to realize that people are always coming to me, asking for advice in writing, and that I love to hold space for people's stories. And as a director, you have times where your show or your movie gets greenlit, and times when it doesn't. So I started teaching writing classes and that gave me the opportunity to bring kind of the spiritual nature of who I am into a classroom environment. And I have a deep belief, as I know, you know about me, that all creativity is spiritual because you are bringing what is inside of you, your soul, your spirit into the world. And so I love to approach Uh, creativity and working with other writers. And I love to look at stories as trying to communicate something to the writer about themselves. So I feel like we often write stories that is giving us information that wants to heal us. And it heals us through the writing of it. So often I'd find like screenwriters and playwrights get frustrated because they can't figure out their play or figure out their screenplay. And I've always said, oh, no, no, you're not supposed to figure out your screenplay. Your screenplay came here to figure out you. <laughs> right? Listen to it. And through writing you learn how to drop the judgmental mind so that you can get into flow. And what I know about flow and creativity, it's there like a faucet and you can just turn it on and flow can, can just will come through you if you drop the judgmental mind that we really have to get out of our left analytical brain and get into our right brain, which is flow. So I'll often tell my writers, just vomit on the page. Just say it first thought, best thought, get it out, get it out. No judgment, no judgment. Just yes, 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 yes. We're just vomiting like clay that later we will mold. And so we want to fully stay in the right side, create a flow. And then once we have it down, we can come back and appreciate and use our left side or analytical side and start to edit and uh, mold and shape. But we will get stuck if we try to do that at the same time. You can't can't actually get into flow. So I have just loved to watch writers write and I have found that when someone is writing what is the truest and deepest to them, what is in their soul, whatever their writing has come to bring them to a new life. And so I've gotten to see a lot of people's lives change just by writing the thing that they knew for years they needed to write.
0: This, you know, you talking about this just gave me uh, a light bulb for a question that is sort of related, which is, uh, you know, talk about bringing, bringing the writer to a new life. The concept of like, mi- like small daily rebirths, small daily deaths and rebirths, if you could speak to people who are, you know, in their daily lives at their job, whether or not their job is their soul calling or mm-hmm. it's just what they are, what they get to do to support themselves. Can you speak to that, to the idea of like regenerating yourself when you're banging your head against the wall or when, you know, when you feel like you're at a, a block in the road in your work life?
1: Yes. When you feel like you're at a block, or that you're banging your head against the wall, I feel like that's all really valuable information. The frustration is valuable. Mm-hmm. And I believe you and I were talking before we started recording this about how our bodies are always communicating information to us. Mm-hmm. And are we listening? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great daily practice for people, anyone, no matter what your occupation is, to get into listening to yourself. Now, whether that is that you dance your feelings out or you journal your inner thoughts in the morning or you sit and you just listen and put your hand on your heart and you have a cup of tea or you walk around your block. I believe that it's important to create time for inner listening, however you listen best to yourself and that. When obstacles come into our lives, they're here to grow us. Just like when a character is in a story, the obstacle is there to grow them, to bring them into a new evolution. So when those feelings come up of like something isn't working here, I feel like I'm not on the right path, I feel, I feel like something's off, that's all really valuable information. And we want to expand our listening to that part of us that's communicating because the part that's communicating I'm frustrated, also the solution is there. So just like we would with a company or directing a show, oh, the solution's already here. Oh, it's already here and it's trying to communicate itself to me. Can I become available to listen to the solutions behind this frustration?
0: Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's such a great idea. Uh, I, I, that also reminds me of something that I, a quote that I saw recently that I wrote down, which is the fuel for healing is in the shadow. which is really, uh, which is a really great way to put a positive spin on what might feel like an unendingly negative circumstance. And then, of course, if it gets to the point where you feel like you are being shut down or not listened to or abused in any kind of way that you have the inner power to exit that circumstance, you don't have to stay in it. But if it's like a, a daily frustration that is manageable and in your hands that that you can actually be excited to learn from it rather than shut down by it.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: that's, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, this is beautiful. So I wonder if you could talk about, because you're a great coach and you're great at giving this like expansive, uh, a- advice. And I, I wonder if you could speak to us as Kristen, the individual, Kristen, the person, whether you can think of times in the past, whether as a director or as a writer or as a coach, when empathy showed up in a situation and it was what helped
1: solve it. Yeah, I'll actually speak about a story that comes up of where vulnerability led to empathy. And I didn't didn't know that would happen. It was in one of the early productions of Rock of Ages. We were in Los Angeles in that cast was Laura Bell Bundy, James Snyder, Dan Finnerty from The Dan Band, Kyle Gass from Tenacious D, Chris Hardwick. Um, We were playing at this place called the Vanguard in Hollywood and it was a nightclub. And after the very first performance, the owners of the nightclub got really upset and they were like, it's too long. You have to cut a half an hour out of it. And there's a story that they actually <laughs> intimidated my producer. There might've been a gun involved because they were nightclub owners. I'm not sure. This is all war. <laughs> but all I know is the producers came to me and said, you've got to get a half an hour out of the show. And I had no idea how to do that. And I think I have four hours of rehearsal. So to make the show good and to do all that cutting, it, that's a monumental feat. And I had to tell the actors like, hey, guess what's happening this afternoon? So, and they're gonna have to perform it that night. <laughs> and so I go up and before that point, because I, I, I was in my twenties then, late twenties, I think I did try to project confidence and strength as a director. I thought that's what i was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and i think that day i I was remembering i was listening to Eckhart Tolle's The New Earth at the the time and i was learning a lot about presence Mm -hmm. and i went upstairs to where the actors were and i just told them what was happening and i let the emotions that were inside of me actually be shown and i started crying and i would have never cried in front of my cast really and the way that they all like came around me and were like we got you kristen we're here for you it was like one of the first clues that being transparent and being open and being vulnerable creates a sense of unity
0: ah I love and so that.
1: they were the ones who demonstrated uh, empathy to me
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that uh, because I, I recognize it too. And I completely agree. And I do think that vulnerability is the key. And I also recognize that it, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to work in a place that, that accepts that. And so for those people who work in environments where they maybe don't have the option of having a whole group of people rally around them, if they have something important to share, do you have advice for them?
1: You mean if someone is maybe self-employed or?
0: Yeah, or works in a, in a, um, a corporate kind of a structure where, where maybe showing feelings to that extent isn't as, it's not as well understood. And...
1: Yeah. I, the first thing that comes up for me is showing empathy towards yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: can I see and witness and hold space for my feelings? Mm-hmm. What's coming up for me? Can I create unconditional love for my own experience? Can I hold what's happening? And then what do I need to do in order to take care of myself and take care of the work that I'm here to serve? So how do I hold one in each hand? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you self-abandon and, you know, you just go into your work, which a lot of us, I'm sure, saw our parents do, and and they and then the, 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 they lost their sense of self and everything was given to work, you know, that doesn't work and it's not sustainable. Yeah. But if we make everything about ourselves and we're not serving our community and not serving our community through our work and not thinking about the larger goal, then we get completely inside our own circle and and we're, and we're not actually can bring forth what it is we do. So we have to have a healthy relationship between giving and receiving.
0: Right.
1: And so I think one of the things we're all seeing is that everything is body, mind, and spirit mm-hmm. and everything is connected. And there is not a place we go where we don't bring ourselves. Yeah. So, right, all the work that we do on ourselves then translates into every environment that we walk into.
0: There's not a place we go where we don't bring ourselves is definitely a keeper. It's it's reminding me of this exercise that I've done before about sort of recapturing your own energy, you know, like a, a, just sitting quietly with yourself and imagining however you imagine energy, whether it's, you know, rays of light or bubbles of whatever imagining it coming from all the places where you've given it and flooding back into your own body just so that you can get grounded and have oh. your own like central power back.
1: Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. I can feel it yeah. as you say it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's... Because I think sometimes empathy, the idea of empathy, which is I'm so glad gaining traction in the mainstream. It's definitely a buzzword. It's all over LinkedIn, which is great. And I think it 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 can veer into the, into the territory of giving yourself away, you know, mm. of self self-abandon, abandonment, self abandonment. And so it's like, are you able to always be in touch with yourself at every moment, no matter what interactions you're in, if you are always in the back of your mind checking in with yes. yourself, you don't have to, you know, carve your insides out and hand them on a platter to somebody else in order to show empathy.
1: Yes. And I believe life is always offering us the opportunity to heal. So something that I see show up in the work environment is, for example, whatever your childhood wounds were, they will show up in different forms and different costumes as an adult. And say, if when you were a little kid, it wasn't safe for you to stand up for yourself, you will see that recreated in your adult working life. So it gives us an opportunity to confront these things that were unresolved. Because life is always giving us a chance to evolve. And so I think when we do find ourselves in a tricky place and a hard place, as opposed to backing away from it, it's actually an invitation uh, to let something that is within us grow.
0: Yeah, I totally subscribe to that. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I wonder, Kristen, what you attribute your huge, expansive empathy to in your life.
1: Oh, that's a great question. My mom had deep empathy and she modeled it for me. So, I remember her driving me to school and say some driver would like cut us off and like honk their horn and flip the bird. My mom would say, "Let's send them love. We don't know what their situation is in life. So, whatever is causing them to be so angry, that means that they're really going through it." So, like she just had this perspective that's and sweet. Oh my gosh, so evolved. Then I remember being a kid with her and like, say we go to a restaurant and the waiter was really cranky. She'd be like, let's just flow love from our hearts to them and see if their day gets any brighter. Like that that was just Lolly.
0: Pretty was Lolly?
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. Lolly, she's like Glenda the Good Witch. She's pretty amazing. But she really did teach me that Someone's bad behavior is based in pain.
0: Yeah. Can this, can I tell you a story? Yes. Cause this reminds me of, uh, of when I was serving tables at this uh, restaurant in Midtown, there was this, this regular, uh, gentleman who would come in now I'm like did I already tell this on the podcast oh well if I did they're hearing it again there was this regular who would come in he was an elderly gentleman in a suit and like I worked it was mostly like you know bankers in the area or like fancy international tourists and he would come in at lunch every day and he was always in just a terrible mood and he would sit at the same table and he would snap at me and like barely make eye contact. And he ordered his like half dozen little neck clams and, you know, his burger, you know, whatever the way it was with like extra pickles or whatever, and his Coke, and then a cup of coffee after, and I got to know his order. Um, And the first couple of times I was so taken aback by him because he was just very gruff. And I always just present super open hearted and smiling and, you know, wanting to connect with people. And it hurt my feelings the first couple of times I served him because it felt like no matter what I did, even if I was following his instructions, it wasn't quite right for him until I started realizing exactly this thing that you're, that your mom so amazingly modeled, which is he's doing the best he can from his level of consciousness and from his personal experience. And I did see it as this lack of love. And rather than seeing him as this like angry old man, I saw him as I felt for him. I was like, he must be lacking love elsewhere in his life. And he does, he's not aware of that. So it's coming out in this way. And that completely shifted, that just completely shifted that dynamic between us, even though I didn't say anything about it, but just like keeping it in, in mind shifted the dynamic.
1: Yeah. You, you held space for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how a lot of the things that are, you know, a cliche now for being, you know, a cult of positivity are actually based in truth. And if you actually try it, if you actually put some of these things into practice, you're surprised that they really work.
1: Yeah. And especially in the workplace, it can be so easy to project upon people that see things differently than you. And if you can just watch that tendency in yourself, oh, I want to make up a story about how this person's against me. Oh, I want to make up a story that they're mean to me. Oh, I want to make up a story, you know, whatever it is. And instead use that as an opportunity to have a a real deep, true conversation with that person Mm -hmm. and, and to be open and to, to talk it out, to find common ground. Some of the best growing experiences for me have been with collaborators where there was some tension or there was something that didn't, that didn't, feel, that didn't feel great. And it was almost as if life was saying, instead of closing, open.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Could you, would you be comfortable speaking in a little more detail about those moments of tension Sure.
1: Sure. Well, I, there's one person who comes to mind who always thought that I was like, uh, closing them out of situations, like wasn't inviting them to the table. And at some point, and I always felt that that person was being really harsh to me. And at one point we ended up really getting to like, talk it out. And we like got into it and like talked about our childhoods and like got into some, like the deep stuff. And I was like, oh now understanding the way you were raised i 100 percent see why who i am and how i am must have triggered you and that makes complete sense to me and i see how it could be easy to see that this was the story and then here was my how i was raised and this is what happened to me and so here's why it was easy for me to make up the story about you and it ended up like the two of us just like hugging and crying which i know is of course much more of a theater thing than like a corporate environment but that we're kind of like perfectly put together
0: yes so
1: so that we could choose again so yeah
0: yeah that that resonates so much with me and i've been thinking about it a lot especially with regard to my romantic relationship but I think about it with you know friendships that I have as well or professional relationship I have as well which is like if you can just like drop down another level of awareness of where whatever anybody's doing they're doing it in order to feel better that even if they're doing something to hurt you it is so that they feel better and so if you can understand if you can literally stand in their shoes which I guess is what empathy is and understand that whatever the behavior is is just coming from a trigger point and not who they really are at core yes yeah Uh, that's
1: it to investigate where the behavior comes from and that's not to say that we don't stand up for ourselves because i really do think it's important that we like you know know our value know our worth set boundaries take care of ourselves that's really important but we can again, hold one in each hand. We can take care of ourselves and hold empathy for another person. I think it's important right now too, because as we see, just the United States becomes so divisive. We see all this division us against them and people want to point a finger and say, well, the problem is there. No, the problem is there. And if both sides keep pointing fingers and saying the problem is there, then we can't be community.
0: Right. And right. And it's, it's harder work and more painful work, maybe to say like, what is it about the other, the other side, the other person, the other, whatever, that, that I, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Is there something, is there a reflection in there? Is there something in me that is also that, that I am ignoring? Because I do believe that we all are, we I mean, wow, I'm going to get a little woo, which was not my intention, but like, if we all are actually one, if we all are part of one gigantic consciousness, then whatever somebody else does that we hate, the reason why it triggers us is because like, there's a seed of that inside of us too.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, it's something I got this uh, download earlier this year that in order to heal the toxic masculine, I had to heal the toxic masculine in myself. Yeah. So I had to look at where do I desire power or money or, or achievement over the heart? Where am I not impeccable in my word? Where am I, wh- wh- you know, where, where is my integrity loose? And can I clean that up? Cause you know, if each person is just a microcosm of the whole, If we can all kind of look at ourselves and clean up those parts of us, I think that's how, I think that's how we get there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're definitely in this time of, of, of seeing the real polarity around us in the world and are being encouraged toward a a more of a unity and less of a polarity. Yes. Both of those extremes can exist within a person, within a company, within a nation, even though we might not want to admit to it. But Kristen, this time has flown by way too fast. I'm not. I know. (laughs) but I wanted to make sure because we touched on and I'll, and I'll have an intro to the podcast that has, you know, all of the specifics about what you've done and your amazing book.
1: Oh, can I give a little shout out for my book?
0: I would love for you to give a shout out to whatever you would like to give a shout out to and tell people where they can find you.
1: Okay. So if you want to come follow me on Instagram, it's hangy love. So hangy, my last name, and then L O V E. And I have a podcast I do with my best friend Natalie Roy called Let's Play the Create Podcast about creativity and spirituality. And I have just published a poetry book called God, Sex, and Musical Theater. Three of my favorite things.
0: (laughs) Which is the best, the best name for a book that exists.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Where I talk about a lot of these things, but in poetry form.
0: Yeah, you're, you're just so inspiring and so uh, expansive. And I really believe that so much of the wisdom that you have to share is really universal and uh, keep doing it, like keep blossoming, keep sending that good stuff out into the world because we really, really, really need it right now.
1: Thank um, you so much. Yeah. And, I, and I do want to say yeah. listening is so key, I think, to anything in the workplace, listening to yourself, listening to the work, listening to the community serve, and listening to the people you're working with. And that we could all just be served from more time in deep listening.
0: Yeah, agreed. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of this. Kristen Hange, I am honored that you have joined me here. on am with the
1: Thank you. Listen Mandel, you are so wonderful. And it's such a joy just to get to
0: hang out and talk to you. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks for tuning in to episode 17 of what's betwixt us stories of working while human to learn more about Kristen and to enjoy the juiciness of all her art forms, writing, directing, coaching, and her amazing podcast. Check out kristenhangi.com. That's K R I S T I N H A N G G I.com. What's betwixt us is powered by zany. Designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at CANIE.APP. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.